Welcome everyone to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip King Lowe. I am the owner, producer, and host, and I am an autistic adult. Thank you so very much for listening. Today's Autistic Moment is a member of the National Podcast Association. Today's Autistic Moment is always a free-to-listen-to podcast that gives autistic adults access to important information, helps us learn about our barriers to discover the strengths and tools we already have to use for the work of self-advocacy. This first segment of today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. For over 50 years, the Autism Society of Minnesota has been honored to support Minnesota's autism community. Visit them online at ausm.org. Please go to the new podcast episodes page of todaysautisticmoment.com where you will find the lineup for the new shows with a description of each show from now through the end of May. When I publish new shows, you can click on the title and guest of each show to listen to the episodes. You will also find the program script that includes all of the hyperlinks I mention on each show and the interview transcript links will be available to download. Interview transcripts for 2022 are sponsored by Minnesota Independence College and Community. If you wish to listen to all of the previous episodes, including the 24 shows for 2021, go to the episode index page. Also, be sure to follow today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Please join today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook, where you can talk with me and other listeners. Free tickets are now available for Autistic Voices Roundtable Discussions on February 23rd at 2 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Four autistic individuals will be joining me to talk about the hashtag Stop the Shock movement. The Stop the Shock movement began as a response to federal judges in in a two-to-one decision overturned the FDA's ban to end the use of shock devices in July of 2021. What that ruling means is that using shock devices to treat autistics and others with various mental disorders is legal in the United States. Our virtual live special event will bring autistics together to talk about why this practice is lethal to the dignity of the patients that are shocked into behaving more like neurotypical people. The free RSVP tickets are available by going to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash autistic voices forward slash. This Autistic Voices Roundtable discussion is sponsored by Looking Forward Life Coaching. This event will be live streamed on the page for today's Autistic Moment on Facebook.
food and eating is one of those things that nourishes our bodies as well as our relationships with our families, friends, cultures, religions, and a sense of personal enjoyment. Each individual has their unique tastes for various kinds of food. The issue of food is also connected to issues such as food allergies, digestive issues, and can affect our overall health. Autistic individuals also have a unique relationship with food. Sensory processing disorders make certain foods and food textures very uncomfortable. In addition, there are autistic adults who cannot digest certain kinds of food. Some autistics will eat the same foods every day as part of their regular routine. Some autistics might have a physical reaction to the smell of certain foods as soon as they are aware of them. One of the worst problems many autistics encounter is when someone tries to force them to eat certain foods with textures to, that make us physically ill. According to researchers, autistics are 4.9 to 22.9% higher risk of developing an eating disorder. Tass Cronby from TassThoughts.com is joining me today to talk about eating disorders for autistic adults. After this first commercial break, join Tass and I as we talk about what an eating disorder is and what eating disorders can affect autistic adults. Please stay tuned. Today's Autistic Moment can be downloaded and heard on Anchor FM, Apple, Google Play, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, and Stitcher. Support for today's Autistic Moment comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, to learn more about their services. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community, a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life. Learn more at miccommunity.org.
Tess Crombie, welcome back to today's Autistic Moment. It's so great to have you back. Great to be here. Thank you for having us again. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm so we're so happy to have you. Well, um, we're going to talk today about an issue that uh, doesn't exactly get talked about as much as it should. Um, eating disorders are an issue for autistic adults, probably more so than people understand. Um, and so we're going to talk about that at length today. Um, so let's begin with my first question. What important information do autistic adults and our caregivers need to know about in terms of eating disorders for autistics? No, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing, it's important to remember that there are different types of eating disorders. A lot of people only know of anorexia or maybe bulimia. However, that is not the only uh, two types of eating disorders that exist. And especially for people that are autistic, eating uh, disordered eating can look different for everyone because there's a lot more factors when it comes to sensory things, when it comes to food that can really contribute to disordered eating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the sensory processing has a lot to do with eating disorders due both to um, food textures, interoception, as well as just the ability to digest foods. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's talk a little bit more about uh, what makes an eating disorder an eating disorder? Mm -hmm. So disordered eating can look many different ways. Uh, so let's take, for example, let's say on a typical day, you wake up and you eat breakfast, then maybe around noon you eat lunch, then you eat dinner, you're drinking water throughout the day. That would be what people would consider like a normal routine for eating. When you start to stray from that type of uh, normal eating, it can look like, so personally, I'll use ourselves as an example, we do have eating disorders. So when you are not eating or not eating enough, uh, particularly maybe you are thinking, I need to go on a diet. Maybe you have an obsession with food and calorie counting. Maybe you have a list of foods that you just cannot eat. And if they're not available, you just don't eat. Those would be considered disordered eating. And there's different types of extremes, of course, to both sides. So one of the things, binge eating. So if you go all day and you haven't eaten, and then at 6 p.m., you're downing two steaks, mashed potatoes, and a pie, that is disordered eating. If you are, as an autistic person, growing up, uh, leaning onto the sensory side of things, let's say that you can't eat certain textures. So maybe like applesauce, smooth textures, maybe marshmallows, meat, maybe meat bothers you and you cannot eat it, and you just refuse to eat that can start a habit that becomes your normal. And as soon as that habit is there, that's when it goes into the territory that can be dangerous of having an eating disorder. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, I would also add that I have, um, I myself am a diabetic. Mm -hmm. And though diabetes is not really considered an eating disorder, 
Um, I have read enough statistics that say that um, due to the fact that our um, diets can be a little bit more limited, mm -hmm. that um, developing diabetes is uh, a high probability among autistics, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we can, we can include that, but uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about eating disorders. Um, we've already talked about sensory processing. Let's talk a little bit about how that can really contribute to an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people chalk that up to, you have a kid that's a picky eater and mm -hmm. there can be a lot of misunderstanding around that because really, if your kid is not eating a certain type of food, there's a reason. So you have to explore why your child refusing to eat certain things. And a lot of times it can go back to sensory. It's uh, with sensory processing disorder for us personally, it can be painful. Certain types of things, if I can't eat it, because if I put it in my mouth, it hurts. It, it, it just is painful. And certain textures, if I touch them, it's painful. And it, it goes the same with food. And so a lot of times there will be that refusal to eat dinner or lunch or whatever you're serving. And there, if you don't explore the reason, then as a child grows, it becomes more and more an issue with the disordered eating side of it. And also one of the biggest issues that we've personally seen is when parents want to force the child to eat it anyway. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So when you have a child that's refusing to eat something, instead of looking at it as maybe there's something going on with the food and there's a reason, it becomes this idea that the child's being defiant or disobedient and isn't listening. And then you force it on that child. You're going to sit there until you eat it, or you don't get to move from this spot until you eat five bites of this food. And, and that adds on a layer of food trauma, which yes. then just precipitates as the child grows more issues surrounding food. Yeah. So um, what other kinds of eating disorders might autistic adults experience? Um, you know, um, uh, you know, anorexia uh, leads to a lot of uh, weight loss that can be literally life-threatening, um, uh, and and then bulimia can be um, really difficult. But um, let's talk about a few more eating disorders here before we move on to barriers. Yeah, so actually, uh, thank you for bringing that up, because looking at some data from the NHS and what they had uh, uncovered about autistic people and eating disorders, and actually anorexia is one of the least common for non-autistic people, but it's very common for autistic people to have right. anorexia. Um, and some of that goes along the lines that they had mentioned in this article is not being able to feel that you're hungry. So that's another piece of it is with, again, that falls in line with the sensory side. It's not just like what you're touching, you're eating. You might not feel hungry. It might be. And that's, and that's, that's interception right there. Mm -hmm. That's, that's interoception sensory processing that mm -hmm. you can't feel like you're hungry. Go ahead. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, also having strict routines around food, uh, maybe having like a hyperfixation on specific types of food that can also be a piece of it that can lead to the disordered eating. And one of the things with overeating that can happen is dealing with your anxiety levels when food becomes your coping mechanism to manage your panic and your anxiety. It's very hard when you're autistic to break that habit. And then that is when it can be very dangerous because you're going to be binge eating constantly. And that can lead to a lot of different health problems. Right, right. And then there's also the eating disorder that comes from interoception when it's not being communicated to the brain that mm-hmm. we're actually full. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that can be very harmful to your digestive system and your stomach and right. perforations. And it can be very, very um, life-threatening, honestly, with that as well. Yeah. After this next commercial break, TAS will give their expert advice about how challenging it can be for autistics to find medical doctors who understand the dual diagnoses of autism and eating disorders. TAS will also talk about why forcing an autistic person to eat something they cannot digest is a cause of trauma and makes eating disorders that much more complex. Please stay tuned. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps change stumbling blocks of life into stepping stones towards success. Life can be complicated, almost like a river. At times there are rapids and other times it kindly winds along its path. To have a guide as you navigate this river of life is essential. To be encouraged and supportive during both the rapids and calm path is something Looking Forward Life Coaching can provide. We meet one-on-one with our clients within their local community or virtually to provide resources and tools to help survive the rapids and enjoy the calm waters. If this is something you're interested in, please feel free to schedule a free meet and greet. Email us at info at lookingforwardlc.org or call 612-504-7414. We look forward to helping you change stumbling blocks of life into stepping stones towards success. Eleven years ago, I was diagnosed with autism. I was 43 years old. The only resources I knew were my therapist and my husband. I felt lost and lonely with no community to reach out to. I couldn't find other websites for information. I had no idea where to turn. I don't want other autistic adults to feel like they cannot connect to the wider autistic community as I did. I started today's autistic moment because I want autistic adults to have access to important information to learn about our barriers 
and discover the tools and strengths we already have to do the work for self-advocacy. Go to todaysautisticmoment.com for more information and click on the blue button to be taken to my Patreon page to help support to keep this podcast going. Also, remember to encourage other autistics and those who support us to become listeners. Thank you for listening to and supporting today's Autistic Moment. Self-direction has many different names. Self-determination, consumer direction, and even PDO. But they all mean the same thing. You are in control of your long-term care. With self-direction, choose what's best for you. Hire the people that you trust. In some states, they can even be your family. Manage your long-term care expenses. Self-direction offers the same or lower cost than other options. Control your care and choose the support that is most important to you. You deserve to be supported in your home and community, surrounded by friends and activities you love. With self-direction, you can live life on your own terms, regardless of age or ability. Take control of your care. Visit gtindependence.com. What are the barriers for autistic adults of all ages when we speak of uh, eating disorders? And one particular question I have related to that is how difficult it can be to get treatment mm -hmm. when there are dual diagnoses here. Mm -hmm. it can, we know how difficult it can be just to find physicians, psychologists, psychiatrists who understand autism, mm -hmm. but also understanding the role of eating disorders and being autistic. Exactly. So that is really, so, you know, the barriers to healthcare is a big, huge issue. It's huge. And for example, where we live, once you turn 18, you don't get help. And that includes with things like this. If you have been diagnosed autistic, you're automatically put into the mental health system, despite that not being a mental health diagnosis. And they want to treat each piece of what you're having issues with, but they don't look at how those comorbidities are going to impact it. So if you have an eating disorder, they treat it how they would a neurotypical person. Um, they don't look at the autistic traits that can be factors and be making that worse. Uh, also to inpatient treatment for things like eating disorders are not always accessible for people that are autistic because they're not prepared to handle those other symptoms that come with it. And you're taken from your home and you're thrown into an inpatient facility, that's enough shock as it is. And then they expect you to be able to work on your eating disorder and your therapy, but you are just trying to manage being removed from your routine and your environment. Absolutely, and they, yeah. And that they're not, they don't adapt. And a lot of it is a lack of knowledge about 
autism, honestly, I can't even count how many times I've spoken to a physician that when we say we're autistic, they're like, but you're so high functioning. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It surprises them. They're like, oh my gosh, uh, that happened recently. We needed to see a physician and it was someone we hadn't seen before for some of our issues. And the first thing that this doctor said we're like we're autistic so that has like a contributing factor to our physical health talking about like our eating and things and the first thing she said was oh my gosh you're so high functioning you're talking to me right now and 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 so that lack of understanding of what it means to actually be autistic puts a barrier because then for the rest of the appointment that's all it kept switching back to is tell me more about how you're autistic. Tell me more. Oh, we can talk about that later. Tell me more. And then you don't get the help you need. Exactly, yeah. And that ties back into what Dr. Scott Fassard and I spoke of in the premiere about the medical model. It's something Mm -hmm. we have this attachment to, to it. Once we say we're autistic, there's this medical data that we're supposed to fit into, this criteria Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be able to fit in. And as you're saying, that medical model can really interfere with what kinds of medical attention we receive because of certain social perceptions Mm -hmm. of autistic people. And this is a perfect example of what we were talking about in that premiere episode. Um, You know, and and as Dr. Scott Fassard said, you know, we don't get a say in what that medical model looks like. Mm -hmm. It's almost predetermined by what everybody thinks it means, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, specifically when it comes to having an eating disorder and also having different physical health problems that sometimes come along with being autistic. Um, And it's very difficult to communicate to a physician. This is why I'm struggling with eating because they don't understand that it isn't just about social media and you see skinny people online, or it's not just about the stereotypical ideas of what starts an eating disorder that can contribute to it, of course, but that's not the core reason, especially when you're autistic, that it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not related to eating disorders, but to my own, my own um, issues, like my chronic pain and everything. I have had conversations with doctors, um, about my my particular medical needs. And um, I am a very good advocate for myself with my autistic needs and that sort of thing. And I'm amazed that I can spend the majority of that medical appointment educating my doctor about my own autism. Um, you know, when, when, when really it is not my place to be doing that, that's something the doctor is supposed to be able to have some knowledge of. But unfortunately, we can't exactly expect that sadly exactly well and you know that's a really good point because another uh, another barrier that comes with that too is when they don't understand what it is to be autistic they also don't understand autistic trauma and so it all loops together and then when like you said when you're having to sit there and educate your own physician it it limits the amount of care you get and the help that you you need and yeah and yeah, and that's a definitely a huge contributor to health issues when you're autistic. 
Right, exactly. And and it 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 contributes to to things like things being misdiagnosed or or something diagnosing something that really isn't there when it's really you know the bigger issue. And we know that an eating disorder may there's a medical consequence to it, but there is also the fact that we have to treat the um the, the medical need here to help the autistic individual to um live a higher quality of life mm-hmm. you know yeah exactly yeah 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 well this really makes uh, quite the interesting stage for our third question about advocacy what steps do autistic adults and our caregivers need to take to advocate for our needs and um you know, when I talk about self-advocacy, we could sit here all, all day for several hours talking about self-advocacy because there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's, let's, let's give some, th- some ideas to our listeners about this matter, shall we? Definitely. You know, the first thing that we really wanted to emphasize with this, coming from a place of having experienced this ourselves and knowing now in the future how that contributed to a lot of our disorder eating is when you have children that are autistic and there are issues with them eating food, it's not defiance, it's not disobedience. And it's really important instead of trying to and I, and I, you can't see me, but in quotes, correct the behavior. It, it's not about that. It's about exploring with your child the best you can to understand the reason and then adapting for them because it's very traumatic as an autistic child to not be able to communicate why you, you're not eating it, but you can't actually say the why. You can't get to the part where you can explain it to your parent of this is why I can't. And so it really falls upon the parent to be patient and kind. And I think the one thing that we always advocate against is the trapping method of you're not moving from this spot until you eat. That is right. 100% percent not necessary and it's just going to lead to more issues as the child grows right um yeah well in addition to the 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 trap um this is where um it is so very important for us as autistic individuals to learn as much as we can about our own autism um there is no substitute really for self-knowledge here. Um, and then to become a really great the expert about how do you, how do you communicate it? Um, you know, and, and maybe give us some, some thing, give us some, some examples about how you have communicated about your autism. Maybe that can help some others to learn how to communicate about theirs, uh, especially when we're talking about an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. So the biggest thing that has helped, so we also are nonverbal. So we go, we have times where we can't speak with the selective mutism and, and those things. And it can be very stressful and it's brought on by anxiety. So the biggest suggestion that we would have if you're talking to a therapist or a medical physician and write it down, we have 
scripts that we have written that explain it. And we take the time when we're feeling okay, we write it out because we know when that appointment day comes, it's not going to be communicated right because of the anxiety. So writing that script to say, here is every single thing I need to tell this doctor, and you can read it, or you can even send it to your doctor's office in advance so that your mm-hmm. physician already has it and the nurse has looked it over. And, mm-hmm. and that makes it a lot smoother to get the care you need when they already are able to know what you need if you can't verbally say it in that moment. Right, yeah. yeah. And another thing as well that is helpful is having a person you trust that is aware of what's going on and that can accompany you on these appointments or whatever the situation may be where you need to explain it so that they can even just be there as that moral support and sometimes jump in and help explain because it's very easy in those high stress situations, especially when you're not sure if you'll get the care that you need. It just adds so much anxiety. Your words don't always come out right when you're trying your best. And so having that person that you trust that knows the situation is also very valuable to be able to have them there. Yes, I totally agree. Um, One suggestion is um, to make a list of some kind of these are 10 things perhaps that I would like my doctor to know about me, especially if you're going to a doctor you have not been to before, Mm -hmm. sit and write out a list. And um, you can even take that list with you and um, hand it to reception and say, please scan this into my record so that they'll always have that in front of them if, if necessary. Some health care providers that now use online resources, for example, my own has, um, has, a, has a space where a, um, someone, a patient can actually type in, these are things I want my, my doctors to know about. And then not only is it available to my, my personal care physician, but it's actually available to anybody within that network that they can actually find that, read it and get it, get it, get it in front of them. So taking time to do some things like that could, you know, there's no absolutes, unfortunately, but it could actually be helpful when you go to your appointments. Exactly. And that also with accommodations at a new doctor, always ask in advance what, like how to ask for accommodations. Um, Because if you need certain types of lighting in the room, um, you can actually request those. And a lot of people don't know they can do this, but you can request different accommodations for the room you'll be in, for how you're going to meet with the doctor. If it's over Zoom, you can request certain things from the nurse in advance. And also too, um, for us, we know ASL, American Sign Language, and that is our alternate communication mode if we're nonverbal. And a lot of people don't know this, but you can request an ASL interpreter as an accommodation. If you know that you are going to need to communicate that way during your appointment, because chances are that you will be nonverbal when you're going, you can in advance ask for an ASL interpreter and they will provide that for you. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. The other thing that you could include, especially if you're going to write some things out, 
is um, if you are aware of the things that you need to, you may need to do if you are feeling overloaded or stressed out, you can in that directive type in, you know, if I'm feeling overstressed, please move me to a, a space where I, where there's people who are not there, give me a chance to calm down or fidget or anything like that so that I can kind of regain, you know, become regulated better. Um, you can say things like that. Um, we can't guarantee that's, that means that everybody's going to understand what you wrote, but it's a good way to at least prepare people for possibilities. And if they have questions, then they have some idea of what you're, what you're looking for. Um, you know, um, you know, I think, I think one of the things that we need to do here to help some people advocate, I get, I get emails from people who are in areas where the resources for them regarding being autistic are not, are not as good as they should be. Um, can we possibly give them some tips that might be helpful to them? Um, you know, we're talking about eating disorders here too. And we've already spoken of, you know, please don't force them to eat. But also the things is, is that, um, when it comes to eating disorders, especially when we're talking about sensory processing, um, this is also about helping to reduce trauma uh, because uh, regardless of what some may think, sensory overload is itself a traumatic experience. Even if it's a, even if it's a, pure, a small experience to you, it's actually a big traumatic experience for the autistic. So I think we might want to talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, definitely. You know, that uh, it is very traumatic when you are having sensory overload and having that, that feeling. One of the ways that we've described that to people is when you go into sensory overload, it is like getting punched in the face 12 million times and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Uh, right. it, it, it is in some cases, it's physically painful to go through that sensory overload, especially when it is due to traumatic experiences. And so having a lot of patience and respect for the person experiencing that is important, no matter child to adult, because it is very harmful. One of the things when it comes to autistic trauma is you experience it from the neurotypical world because there's not that understanding of what it is to be autistic and to them it looks like you're doing something weird or it's wrong so people are very quick to try to suppress uh, like you mentioned being able to stim going and fidgeting if you're overloaded that is a way that autistic people calm your sensory down. Stimming is one of the most beneficial things to managing, especially personally, to managing our sensory throughout the day. We have to stim and it is a huge part of it. And so not suppressing those natural coping mechanisms that autistic people have innately in order to, to get through difficult situations, including food. Um, one of the things that we have personally experienced having a break with food. So what we mean is if we sit down and it's time for dinner and we're having sensory issues and we're not going to be able to actually eat the food 
at that moment, it's okay to wait. Wrap it up, put it in the fridge, come back to it like an hour later, come back to it in a couple hours. It's not so much about the time you eat. It's just making sure that you're nourishing your body. And sometimes you have to not always eat at that very moment. Sometimes you have to take a break and pause. And it, it can be very helpful to calm your sensory down before adding in more sensory stimuli of eating. Right. Yeah. And uh, with regards to, to sensory processing with eating, um, you know, um, the more common thing that we hear more than not is that um, an autistic person will eat the same foods over and over and over again, especially if they're, for some of us, the food we eat is actually part of our sensory uh, maintenance. It actually helps us because if, if we've been having a day when uh, our sensory processing has really been challenged that day, eating something that is comforting is one of the ways we actually help stim a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, eating is a form of stimming for some of us you know, um, but, you know, um, and, and that's where sometimes eating disorders may get misperceived in some cases. Um, but, um, you know, let's talk about, let's talk about advocating, especially like, um, when we are eating the same things all the time. I mean, the most common one I get from parents, uh, I've heard from parents with autistic children is that, my son or daughter only eats chicken nuggets with fries all the time. You know, I, I hear that more times than I can possibly uh, mention. But yeah, there are some there are some autistics that that's all they can handle, mm-hmm. and you know, they're not doing anything particularly wrong. It's just that's how their diet is, you know, and so that can be so 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 difficult. Um, but you know. Um, also, as part of eating disorders, what can autistic adults, let's speak of adults, adults here, what can we do to advocate for ourselves when we are experiencing an eating disorder? Um, you know, let, let's, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about that. And if I have to go back to a question, just ask. Um, yeah. You know, the biggest part is really, it starts with you having that self-reflection and really thinking about, do I have an issue with food that is impacting my life in a negative way? That's the biggest thing. It's, is it impacting you in a negative way? Because like you said, they're my eating the same thing every day and you, maybe you take supplements and vitamins. So you're still getting the nutrients you need. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're having an issue with food. Uh, It's, you have to really step back and think, is it impacting my life in a negative way? Am I getting physically sick because I'm not eating enough? Am I finding that I'm struggling to get food at the grocery store? Do I just never fill my fridge? Do I run out of food? Looking at your routine and your life and seeing if there is an issue around that And once you identify, okay, yes, I definitely feel like I have an issue with food. If you have either a trusted person or if you do receive counseling, it's always good to speak about it with your therapist because they're actually 
mental health professionals are the first gateway to actually getting treatment for eating disorders. Right. And they are the starting point. And they right. will be able to provide you with the connections to different resources, dietitians, nutritionists. That's where that'll start to get right. the help started for you. Yeah. yeah. And another thing too, I wanted to mention when you had mentioned resources, and this kind of ties in with that, as an adult, since there is a lack of services for you once you're 18, going to your local independent center, uh, independent living center, those places are, are nationwide and the IRLU actually has a map that identifies every single center for independent living in the state. They will actually have resources for you to connect you with things in the community you might not know. Sometimes they will actually have food courses where they can actually help you with cooking. They can help you finding alternatives to different things. Uh, specifically, when you had mentioned diabetes, a lot of the Centers for Independent Living will actually have courses that are free to people to take to learn how to actually make food that's okay for their diabetes. So there's a lot of resources that those can point you to or have available. So we always do recommend people connect with them because that is also a good start where if you feel like you don't necessarily have an eating disorder, but you are struggling with different types of daily life around food, that can also be a good place to get support. After this final commercial break, TAS will give some good online resources that you can look for on the Adult Autism Resources Links page, followed by today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Please stay tuned. The most important work that people do is take care of each other and the people who provide your care should have the best support. Life Superior is here to help you and your caretakers. This family-owned business is one of Minnesota's fastest growing personal care providers because of the support they provide for their clients and co-workers. If you need a PCA agency that combines compassion and professionalism, or if you care for someone today and would like to learn how to get paid for this work, please call us at 612-824-4348 or visit us at lifesuperior.com forward slash autism. I am very excited to announce that Joelle Marie Norse will be my guest on February 21st to talk about trauma and unavoidable consequence. During the last two episodes, you have heard me and my guests talk a lot about trauma. Social stigmas, sensory processing disorders, abusive relationships, rejection, unemployment, 
ableism. All of these and many more that can be mentioned means that trauma is an unavoidable consequence for autistic adults. Post-traumatic stress disorder is the most common form of trauma. Joelle is an autistic who is diagnosed in her late teens. Joelle has training in counseling psychology, developmental psychology, and has worked as a research interim on long-term multi-generational trauma studies. I hope you will join Joelle and I for this insightful conversation. On March 7th, Rosemary Carrero will be my guest to talk about adult autistic women. There are those who still believe women cannot be autistic. It is myths such as this that makes it difficult for women to get an accurate evaluation and diagnosis of autism. Rose will join me to talk about how social expectations play a huge role in how female and male autistics are seen and treated or mistreated. Female autistics deal with dismissal or punishment for being overreacting. On March 21st, Michelle Newman will join me to talk about autistic postmenopausal women. Michelle was diagnosed as autistic at the age of 54. This was after 35 years of psychiatric misdiagnoses and medications and a lifetime of difficulties. Among the many challenges for Michelle and other postmenopausal women is healthcare, communication about personal care needs, and finding other services is more scarce than for autistic adults between the ages of 20 and 45. Michelle's story is a powerful story of faith, perseverance, and determination. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. online resources to mention here that could be helpful to to some autistic people definitely so the um it's actually the american site i can't say the word psychiatric association on their website they have a specific section that is um, dedicated to understanding eating disorders and then they also have links to resources and um, you can actually find more information through that um, website that can direct you towards the different types of eating disorder uh, recovery centers that would be in your area. Uh, And each uh, state usually does have this, but the eating disorder recovery um, organization is nationwide and they also have online resources. Yeah. including uh, one of the things that's really great on the websites is they actually do have quizzes too, where you can take them 
and it will let you know like hmm, maybe you do have it something and it can just help you with that self-reflection to see if you actually need to pursue things further for yourself yeah 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 and um i will once again make these um available on the adult autism resources links page on today's autistic moment.com so um that you can find these tasks when you're on my program you do provide so much very helpful information so thank you for coming on today and i look forward to our conversation next time definitely thank you for having us you're welcome today's autistic community bulletin board you can now find the links for all events announced in today's autistic community bulletin board by going to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash. The Ordinary Marathon Foundation invites autistics from the ages of 15 to 24 to participate in Actually Autistic Athletes. The program will include one set of shoes, socks, shirt, one pair of running shoes, a running band, and one-on-one -on -one coaching from a certified athletic coach for up to six months. Go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash and click on Actually Autistic Athletes for more information and to apply anytime, but especially February to mid-April. Disability Advocacy Day 2022 will be on Tuesday, February 22nd from 10 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at the Minnesota State Capitol. This event will be virtual and in person. Go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash and click on Disability Advocacy Day in Minnesota 2022 to be taken to the website to register. Understanding Autism Virtual classes will be offered by the Autism Society of Minnesota. These classes are perfect for autistic individuals, caregivers, those who want to understand the basics of autism, and support autistic people. Classes will be held on February 21st from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., March 21st from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., April 18th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., May 16th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Classes are free of charge, but you must register to attend. On February 8th, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Eric Ringenberg will present a virtual skill shop at the Autism Society of Minnesota entitled Video Modeling, Why It Is Useful, and How to Create One. Video modeling is an effective strategy for learning and developing many types of skills. This session will review what video modeling is, describe types of video models that can be used, and demonstrate how to create a video model using technology you may have or can get at a minimal expense. On February 22nd, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Jillian Nelson will present a virtual skill shop at the Autism Society of Minnesota entitled Food and Function, 
Mealtime Solutions When Executive Functioning Isn't on the Menu. Jillian will share her lived experience in navigating mealtime with significant autistic challenges, including motor skill and executive functioning deficits, and the consideration of dietary needs that make meal prep and planning a daunting task. Jillian will share shopping hacks, cooking tricks, and useful kitchen tools, and a variety of life lessons that make autistic mealtime less overwhelming and more enjoyable. The Autism Certification Direct Support Virtual Classes Spring Session at the Autism Society of Minnesota will begin on March 7th and continue on March 14th, 21st, 28th, and April 4th. These classes are perfect for job coaches, support staff, personal care attendants, EIDBI Tier 3 providers, educational aides, support personnel, group home staff, day training and habilitation professionals, anyone who works with directly with autistic individuals, and autistic adults. To get information about these and other events at the Autism Society of Minnesota, please go to AUSM.org. You can also go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board and click on the Autism Society of Minnesota to register for their events. Make plans now to attend the 2022 Minnesota Autism Conference April 27th to the 29th, 2022 at the Hyatt Regency in Bloomington, Minnesota. There will be both person and virtual events offered. Registration will open soon. Go to AUSM.org for more information. Today's Autistic Moment is sponsored in part by Looking Forward Life Coaching. Looking Forward turns stumbling blocks into stepping stones towards success. Go to lookingforwardlc.org for more information. Lastly, while all of the spots for ads during the podcast itself are full, you can join Looking Forward Life Coaching and have your business or organization mentioned at the end of each podcast show. If you would like to have your business or organization mentioned, have questions or comments about today's autistic moment, please send an email to p-k-l-o-w-e at todaysautisticmoment.com. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. May you have an autistically amazing day.